Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Number two on the Fantasy Sports Today. Mike Blue to Joe Galena taking you around the world of sports. <clears throat> Gosh, it's a tough start to hour number two. We talked Kentucky Derby, <laughs> we talked NBA playoffs, we talked uh, MLB, and now we'll, we'll do a little NFL. So, <clears throat> like I said, it's that time of year where we're starting to evaluate teams. We're seeing some lines come out. We'll we'll talk some over unders on some of these teams, but really go team by team and, and catch you up on some of the news. So a couple of pieces of Ra- – I think the Raiders are just becoming – for what at points they've been laughing stock, and I just think now because Gruden is there and they've made some high – some splashy moves, I think we're seeing people and the media really gravitate towards this team, right? We have Raider stories every day, even if they're not particularly interesting. We're just looking at every single move they make, and I think Gruden's willing to talk, so he's just a (laughs) quote machine. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, even I, I don't know how you felt about him on the uh, Monday Night Football broadcast. I, I found them to be entertaining, and uh, I find uh, you know watching clips of his news conferences to be enter- entertaining. And uh, you know when he when he hired Mayock, maybe it was kind of like uh, in order to balance you know you know his ways of thinking and ways of doing things and then Mayox. So I think they're a good team. They're a fun team to, to follow. And, you know, here in New York, you know, uh, uh, Mike, you grew up a football fan like I did. And how, how many uh, Raiders fans, Dolphins fans, Steeler fans do you know in this New York area? You being a Steeler fan. Just I because, you know, them, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, the Giants and Jets uh, were, yeah, uh, you know, mediocre kind I'm of drink- teams in the 70s. They weren't even mediocre. I- I'm drinking out of a Steelers <laughs> mug right now. So people go. often ask, you know, how am I a Steelers fan? And the answer is pretty simple, particularly in this area of the country, uh, which is the New York, New Jersey area. We'll just frame it all together. In the 70s, the Jets and Giants were terrible. So your local broadcasts, we're often blacked out and Monday night football and your Sunday coverage were not as extensive as they were now. So you, as a kid growing up in the seventies, as I was, you would only get the high profile teams, which is all the teams that Joe just listed. So you find a lot of New Yorkers or people from this area of the country and other areas of the country too, but it's why there's so many Cowboys fans and Steelers fans 
Dolphins, Vikings, Raiders. Those teams were all good in the 70s. So if you're born of a certain age, those were the teams that you got to see a lot and fell in love with. So I picked the Steelers when I was a little kid, and I stuck with it. That's just how what I a am. Great choice. Obviously, yeah. to some ex- obviously to some extent, I'm relatively relatively neutral, but I still pull for the Steelers now, and uh, that's why. That's the reality. I could have made a switch, I suppose, in uh, mid '80s when the Giants got good, but I felt like uh, I don't know. I felt like I was a sellout if I did something like that. Um, of the two New York teams, I clearly lean towards the Giants, but thankfully <laughs> right now I'm not a Giants fan because things are not good <laughs> over there. Do you know how many teams have won more games than the Giants in the last two seasons, Joe? How many more teams? Uh, how many I would teams say, have won more yeah, games I've, than the Giants? With it, there are 32 teams in football? Yeah. Uh, probably 29. Close. I'm guessing. They're yeah, yeah. dead last in the league and wins in the last two years, tied with the Browns. The Browns went 0-16 two years ago, seven wins last year. The Giants had seven wins in the last two years, so they're tied for last with the Browns. Uh, so everybody else has more wins than the Giants. So you can mm-hmm. you can put a silk hat on a pig or explain it away any way you want. The Giants are failing miserably right now, and their lack of a plan during the draft, I think it was more uh, – was even more indicative of how wayward they've gotten. They made the playoffs once in seven years, and that was a quick bow out. And uh, it was, you know, boat cruise gate or whatever you want to call it. When those guys went down to Miami for a cruise on their day off, which I wasn't highly critical of, but I wasn't highly critical of it. But it, it, it just anytime there's bad in retrospect. Again, yeah. In retrospect, doesn't it look worse than you know at that time? Yeah, you know, that. Uh, but I, I was critical of it, and uh, you know I think it's part of why uh, obj isn't here <laughs> you know just, i'm critical of it for this one reason we already saw stuff like this play out in the nfl and it didn't go well and it was tony romo mm-hmm. who did it mm-hmm. he went on his vacation yeah. with uh, jessica simpson jessica and, simpson uh, yeah jason jason witten they went to cabo <laughs> because they had a week off and they got highly criticized and As then they, they have, you yeah. know bowed out in the playoffs and like ultimately i don't think it's that big of a deal to take a quick vacation but when the press is following you around and are going to make a big deal of it then you just don't do it and i remember even reading tom brady talking about something like this he did something when he was a younger player where he like on the in the cover of night flew out to california to go back and hang out with his family for a couple of days and he just felt this sense of guilt about sort of taking a vacation in the middle of the year. And he said he never did it again. He said he's not critical of other guys that do it. But I think it's in it's a snippet of the mindset that somebody like that has. Like everything mm-hmm. during the season has to be about just focusing on the team. And yes, you need a couple of days off here and there, but taking vacations where you're on cruises or hanging out with pop stars. It's just a bad look. (laughs) That's why you can't do it. And it sucks, Mm -hmm. but it's part of the job. That's the way I would look at it. I'm not, I'm not some old school guy that's critical of guys taking vacations, but I'm just saying as somebody that's a little bit older and seen this stuff play out, I would have just advised them like, just wait until after the season. You can just, the season's almost over. 
even if you win the Super Bowl, the season's almost over when you're doing something like that. It was a playoff game, for God's sakes. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so uh, so there you go. Uh, I don't know how we got off on that tangent, but we were talking about the Raiders and some of these high-profile moves. So, John Gruden, two things yesterday uh, were announced, or this week. The Raiders are going to play Trent Brown at right tackle. He was a Patriots left tackle uh, in the Super Bowl campaign this past year, and the Raiders went out and spent a lot of money. But they're going to play first-round draft pick from 2018, Colton Miller at left tackle, and they spent a lot of money on a right tackle. So one might think that Trent Brown is a more accomplished left tackle but Colton Mil- than Colton Miller. But Gruden's going to go with the younger player there at left tackle, Trent Brown at right tackle. That's one. Two, he says Doug Martin will be a great mentor to Josh Jacobs. I don't know that Doug Martin's thrilled about that, but such is his lot in life now. He's, uh, I think it's obvious that he's going to be a backup or a change of yeah. pace from Josh Jacobs. Yeah, the only reason I think he's back on this team is because Isaiah Crowell uh, right. is out for the season, right? Otherwise, they just signed him, Martin at the last, uh, you know, That's right. just in the past week, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's right. I mean, yeah. I, I, you and I were involved in a uh, rookie dynasty draft earlier this week. Uh, and then the, the, yeah, the results are going to come out. But uh, look, in terms of, you know, the, the rookie running backs, and this is no secret. I mean, Josh Jacobs, I think, is has the highest upside. You know, he's not a first-round pick in an overall draft, but uh, <laughs> in many uh, rookie dynasty drafts could be number one overall. I mean, he's going he's gonna to be the number one guy there. And, uh, you know, they've uh, the, the Raiders have uh, tried to make some improvements like you said, uh, shuffling around that uh, the players on their offensive line and whatnot, and so we'll see what happens. But uh, Doug Martin, just be happy that you got a contract right now. Josh Jacobs uh, is going to be the starter, in my opinion, from day one, and he's going to be doing yeah. a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I will we'll talk a little bit about that rookie draft in the next segment. We'll set it up so uh, we can give everybody a sense of who's going where, uh, mm-hmm. and I'll set up the whole thing in, in the next segment. Sure, but. Okay. So, like you said, Doug Martin re-signed there. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, really tough for him. Going to miss the whole year. He had a disappointing year in New York. He really just played one great game against the Colts. The irony is I had I, I drafted Isaiah, Isaiah Crowell just about everywhere that I could last year. I had talked to the New York Post's uh, beat writer for the Jets, Brian Costello, and mm-hmm. he, on this show last July, said that Crowell is a guy that you're going to want. They signed him for him to be the workhorse style back, and he's a guy that you're going to want. And I bought into that. I had had those suppositions before I had spoken with him. He sort of confirmed that I got Crowell everywhere. And then the one huge game he had, I actually went to against the Colts. I didn't play him. <laughs> Because he hadn't done anything for a month before that. So even the one big game that Crowell had, I didn't really reap any benefits. Right. Well, when you look at his stats, uh, 2016, 4.8 yards per carry, 2017, 4.1 yards per carry. That doesn't tell the story because uh, I don't remember exactly which season it was. It was one of those two seasons I just mentioned. But, you know, I had drafted him, and I think he spent the first – half of the season just doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's been around forever, still only 25 years old. So, uh, you know, uh, obviously, you know, you're not happy to see, uh, you know, the Achilles injury ending his seasons, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, he has not lived up to expectations even when healthy, unfortunately. 
Uh, true. Uh, all right, another story here. Josh Rosen, this is according to Mike Florio of uh, Pro Football Talk. Josh Rosen gets to work with his fourth offensive coordinator of his NFL career. Pretty crazy. He had Mike McCoy, then Byron Leftwich, then Tom Clements in Arizona, and now it's Chad O'Shea in Miami. According to Rosen, it encourages some mental gymnastics, and the more you train it and the more you work it, I think the better you get at it. I'm trying to break down this playbook as quickly as I can. So he'll also be working with Jim Caldwell. He's the assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach, uh, formerly the Detroit Lions head coach, and Jerry Shaplinski, the assistant quarterbacks coach. Uh, Dan Marino has a hand in the quarterback situation with the team for which he stars. So we've got a lot of great minds in there from a lot of different quarterbacks, from a lot of different Mm -hmm. backgrounds, Rosa said. I think we've got a really good room. Hopefully it's going to be an indicator of a lot of success. So... Here's the problem for Josh Rosen. I honestly think he's going to be in the exact same position next year. I think this team is going to be that bad that they're going to have one of, if not the top pick, and the Dolphins will draft to a Tonga Bailova or Justin Herbert to replace him. I think it's through no fault of his own, but Mm -hmm. as many people have said over the last two weeks, that seven wins from the Dolphins last year is going to be a pipe dream this year. It's pr- arguably the worst roster in the league. I would say the worst roster in the league. Mm-hmm. And they're building it from the ground up. And I think they might continue to build it from the ground up by replacing Rosen next year. That If, if you had to ask me to put a wager on it as who the starter is in Miami next year, it would, would be Rosen. At least wow, not long term. I know. I, I was so yeah, I was so impressed with uh, Josh Rosen. You know, watching his uh, press conference this week. To just I don't know if you saw part of it where he acknowledged that look, you know, that he has a chip on his shoulder. He said, "If my chip, uh, the chip on my shoulder uh, was any larger, I I tip over." Which I thought, you know, he's poking fun at himself. Uh, I loved the uh, goodbye video that he sent to the Arizona Cardinal fans, even exactly uh, right. mentioning. Kyla Murray saying, hey, there's an apartment uh, available if you need one. Yeah, saw that. So, uh, saw that. so I'm, I'm really rooting for this guy. But, you know, looking at the Dolphins roster uh, offensive-wise, the, the only – uh, player that I'd consider fantasy-wise is, is Kenyon Drake. Uh, but other than that, you're right. I mean, um, you, they're, they're receiver, uh, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, been there, done that. Uh, it's going to be a tough season for Rosen, but I am, you know, I, I find myself rooting for this guy. But uh, uh, I think he's in a if, really difficult know. position. I, I don't yeah, think two years that in a this row, has anything man. to do with him. But right. uh, unfortunately, he's going to be unfairly painted with this brush. Now, will he get a third opportunity to start somewhere? I don't know. It's it's that type of scenario in the NFL where you start to get a reputation which isn't entirely your fault, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I could see that absolutely being the case here. They're going to feel comfortable starting him over Ryan Fitzpatrick as long as he's healthy, as long as this sure. offensive I line can so. hold yep. up to try to keep mm-hmm. him healthy. Um, they have Laramie Tunsil there and a few other guys, but the offensive line is nothing to write home about. You mentioned the Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, Bryce Butler trio, which you keep Grant backing up. I don't think that's anything particularly exciting. And Mike Kosicki is a second-year tight end there. And Drake mm-hmm. is really the one guy you'll take a look at. Kalen Balaj and Miles Gaskin are, are some nice depth at running back. So I think you feel pretty good there. But, you know, to provide some protection for Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balaj 
who our college guys really liked last year out of Arizona State. I think he's somebody that could be interesting. I just don't think in general Miami's going to be able to do much offensively. So um, uh, one comment here. Steve Smith bashed Josh Rosen quite a bit, and it, it got a lot mm-hmm. of burn on social media. I, I thought he was completely misguided, but some people agreed with it. I didn't think he's being a baby by unfollowing people on social media. That isn't a big deal in general. Overplacing the emphasis on people's social media habits is ridiculous. Unless you're one of those guys that flies off the handle and bashes people all the time, like Antonio Brown, I think it's insane. For him to unfollow the team that he knows is trading him isn't a big deal. He's moving on. He didn't say anything bad about them. He thanked everybody, and that's it. I mm-hmm. thought Steve was going with. A, I thought Steve Smith was going with a hot take there that didn't necessarily mm-hmm. make sense in that moment. You can be critical of guys in, in, in for being jackasses on social media, but he wasn't being one. He just unfollowed the team that's trading him. As far as I know, he was fairly quiet on social media regarding this whole situation. Uh, and in the back of his mind, he knew he was gone. Uh, and and who is actually monitoring? His uh, social media accounts that he noticed right away <laughs> that, that he unfollowed them. Uh, There's a and I think people that, on Twitter yeah, that do that kind of amazing. stuff. Amazing. And, and Instagram. And, I, I mean, I think it's nuts, but people do do that, obviously. Yeah. Smith just looking for attention. You know, yeah. I think he was yeah. wrong as well. Yeah, I, I I didn't get it. So if anybody disagreed with us, feel free to chime in. 844-843-6879. 844-FNTSY. If you have anything to comment on, we'll come back. We'll keep talking uh, NFL. We'll do win totals. We'll do our rookie draft for the rest of this hour. It's Mike and Joe on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening on this Saturday morning on TuneIn and iHeart and everything else. So we'll be right back after this. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. So, back, I, I'm, I'm picking up a guy just based on that promo. I'm picking up James McCann right, right now because Frank <laughs> Stample said to do it. And I got to drop Mike Ford anyway. So, there we go. I got three catchers for no apparent reason. Uh, I'll, I'll make some more moves uh, later this week. But uh, let's talk about <laughs> some NFL. We're going to do some uh, win totals here in the next segment. But right now, Let's talk about the draft that we had the other day. So, Jim Day, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Fantasy Taz. By the way, find me on Twitter at Mike Blewett and Joe on Twitter at Joe Galena. So, it's G-A-L-L-I-N-A on Blewett is B-L-E-W-I-T-T. So, we did a, a bunch of fantasy football personalities, a really quick, uh, or really easy six-round slow draft uh, for us to uh, – 
just kind of go through and see who is going to be most valued rookies. The approach would be as if these were dynasty teams, which I didn't quite know right away, but it seems to make more sense uh, to do it that way because clearly not that many rookies will be picked, and these aren't complete teams. You just kind of have to make up your own story and decide who's the most valuable player. So the Frank Stample, who we just mentioned on Twitter at Roto underscore Frank, Went with the number one overall pick, and I think it's obvious you know who it's going to be in most of these rookie drafts, right, Joe? And it's Josh Jacobs. Yeah, we spoke about him briefly uh, earlier. Uh, From day one, I think he's going to be the number one guy uh, for the Raiders. And uh, look, talented back, uh, could rush for 1,000 yards. So uh, not a first-round pick overall. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, whether it be maybe late second, early third, I don't know if it, it depends. I mean, there's a lot of talent in the, in, uh, in in the coming weeks. We could take a look at that because uh, take a look at what the uh, overall uh, you know look is going to be like next fall. But uh, Josh Jacobs, yeah, I mean, the number one rookie dynasty pick, I think, in most drafts. Yeah, uh, I would say so. In fact, I'm going on Fantasy Pros right now to see where people have him ranked, if they've even updated it yet. Uh, yeah, he's way low down right now, but I, I think that will rise right now. It's going to adjust. Um, mm-hmm. It will adjust. So right now it's mm-hmm. like 34th ranked running back, but I think it's obvious that he'll be a lot higher than that as we get mm-hmm. closer to the season. So, so Josh Jacobs goes number one overall. I don't think I'm in love with Josh Jacobs as a player, but from a fantasy positioning and a dynasty league, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I think Mm -hmm. you take the – you can look longer term, but he can make an immediate impact to your team, so I think he's the guy you're going to want to take. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, Andy Singleton on Twitter at People's Pen, People's with a Z, Pen, he's in love with Nikhil Harry. I know that from having followed him on social media. He loves Nikhil Harry. But he did also fall in a great position in New England. So Nikhil Harry goes number two to Andy Singleton. And David Montgomery goes to our very own Joe Galena. You had him number three. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He was somebody that I was picking at seven. I was hoping he would slide. Didn't get even close. So give me your thoughts on David Montgomery and how he slots into the Bears offense. So I, he's going to have a role this year, not going to be the number one guy to start, in my opinion. But just looking at his draft profile, uh, one of the most uh, elusive guys in, in the draft, uh, generates yards uh, after contact, and uh, could also be a factor in the Bears' passing game. Now, obviously, the Bears uh, added uh, Mike Davis after they traded uh, Jordan Howard away, and they still have Tariq Cohen. Uh, but I think that as as the season wears on, I think Montgomery and Cohen pretty much going to be the the number one and two punch and then for the next couple of years as well. So like I said, I I like the fact that he's elusive, uh, could generate some yards after the catch and uh, he's in a good spot where, uh, look, Nagy uh, Nagy liked him. I think they traded up to get him as well. So uh, and, uh, you know, know, Nagy has a pretty good uh, you know, reputation of working with uh, unfortunately Kareem Hunt is he has his personal issues, but you know, Nagy knows his running backs, we'll say. And I, and I would just say in general that when he was with the Chiefs and now with the Bears, I think it's plainly obvious to see that they like versatile offensive players. Uh, mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. They're, they're, 
what becomes frustrating at times is, as my former co-host, sometimes still co-host, Dean Martinez likes to say, it becomes a little bit of a fantasy herd. So (laughs) Allen Robinson doesn't see as dominant numbers as you would like him to see necessarily because Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller are there. Now they drafted Riley Ridley. They also added Corderell Patterson. Again, another very versatile player. By the way, Anthony Miller is second-round pick last year. They've acquired a lot of talent. So a second-round pick in Anthony Miller last year, a huge free agency signing with Allen Robinson, a free agency signing with Taylor Gabriel, and now they add Riley Ridley at receiver, plus signed Corderell Patterson. That's one, two, three, four, five. So there's your five receivers. They also got Emmanuel Hall as a uh, college free agent. I would imagine he could be their sixth wide receiver. Then, like you said, Mike Davis, Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery. David Montgomery, known to be one of the more versatile backs, and that's why people are going to really like him in fantasy, because he can be useful. It's just a matter of how many touches could he actually see. Uh, I'd like to go back to the Bears for a second, let me see. Uh, I'm going to go to the Bears. I want to see where they fell in in rushing attempts last year. Uh, rushing attempts. They were sixth overall. So that's good. It's a positive. 468 rushing attempts overall. Yeah, they're a running team. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to go around. The irony is mm-hmm. that people sometimes think that these high-powered offenses are just pass-dominant. And that isn't really the case. They had the 24th most passing attempts last year. They create a lot of opportunities for guys to get out in space, whether it's running or passing, however they're going to do it. He happens to be really good at it. And uh, the Bears, they had 16 rushing touchdowns. That was seventh in the league. So they ran for almost 2,000 yards. That's that's enough touches to go around. So there you go. David Montgomery mm-hmm. at number three. Uh, Joe Pisapia. You, by the way. Go ahead. Let me just ask you, you, you were thinking about taking him at seven. Do you think yeah. I took him too early? Yeah? No. Oh, okay. I don't okay. think that. Just curious. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's totally fine. Um, and mm-hmm. I think if I were at three, I probably would have taken him too. Uh, okay. For, a di- for dynasty purposes, I, I really do like him. Uh, Paris mm-hmm. Campbell comes in at number four. I think that's a great pick by Joe Pisapia too. I think Paris Campbell has an obvious path to be an impactful receiver, not just this year, but long-term. I think it's a great weapon for Andrew Luck to have for the next few years. I think he can be a very good wide receiver, productive wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, Jim Day, Fantasy Taz, takes TJ Hawkinson at tight end. At five, Sigmund Bloom goes with Miko Hardman, the burner that the Chiefs signed to effectively replace Tyreek Hill, even though they said they didn't do that, but they're lying about it because that's what he's for. And then I picked right. at seven, Miles Sanders from Philadelphia. Now, Miles Sanders this year is caught in a maelstrom of running backs, right? We've got Wendell Smallwood. We've got Corey Clement. We've got Ryan, uh, Ryan Jordan Howard. And now we've got Miles Sanders. So as a rookie, is Sanders going to break out and be a fantasy star? Not likely. They share the ball a lot. Doug Peterson's going to keep using all of those guys accordingly. He's dealt with injuries from a lot of those guys, but this is a dynasty league setup. So I'll say Miles Sanders long term. I like his ability. He tested great at the combine. He was the heir apparent at Penn State to Saquon Barkley, and he did really well. So I took Sanders there. Would you have taken one of the other guys after that? Would you have taken somebody differently? Because Marquise Brown was the next pick. 
and there was a few other guys there as well that I considered, but I took the running back there because they're hard. Yeah, to I think that's a good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're so. Uh, if you notice that they're very top heavy in uh, running backs in our draft and just in general, uh, so I think you made the right pick and and you you uh, described it perfectly. Look, you know, the Eagles have been known to uh, use the committee approach, so that's an issue. But I think from a dynasty perspective, uh, I, I think he's going to be the last man standing. You know, within the next year or so. By next year, if twenty twenty. If Miles Sanders was the starting running back on Philly, it wouldn't surprise me at all. That's sort of what right, I'm going right. with. Mm-hmm. Um, Marquise Brown is a tough one to pass up there because so you have this situation where Baltimore now has these great weapons. They went out and got weapons. Miles Boykin, they got Marquise Brown. They have these great weapons for Lamar Jackson. But at the end of the day, they are still a run-heavy team right now. They've acquired and built the team to try to be run heavy. I think they are obviously looking for some more balance for Jackson. But at this moment, I thought Sanders was the better pick for Brown because I have I'm projecting I'd have to project Baltimore's passing offense to be legitimate. But I haven't seen that yet. I know Philly's offense is legitimate. And Sanders can be a part of that, a key cog in it. Even if Brown is the leading wide receiver on the Ravens, I don't know that their passing offense this year or a year from now is going to be one even in the top half of the league. Right. Uh, they did uh, invest, I think, two of their first three picks were wide receivers. But yeah. I see your concern. <clears throat> uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you wonder if they're going to uh, dedicate enough of their offense to uh, their passing game. Obviously, uh, Lamar Jackson is going to be running with the ball, but they also have deep at running back as well. So, you know, with Ingram and, two and tight ends. Edwards still there. Yeah, right. They, dra- they have two tight ends that they drafted in the top three rounds this past mm-hmm. season. So, uh, sorry, in 2018. So there are a lot of options there. They've really built up uh, the offense quite a bit. I think they're a pretty good team. They're, they've obviously turned over some of the age of the roster. Um but they've added Earl Thomas. The Ravens are going to be a good team. I just couldn't bank on the offense, the passing offense being dynamic at this point. Uh, Kyler Murray went nine to Bob Lung, then Noah Fant uh, at number 10. Uh, Andy Isabella at number 11. He's going to be working with Kyler Murray. And then his teammate, Hakeem Butler, at number 12. So in the last two seasons, the Cardinals have spent three relatively high draft picks on wide receiver with Christian Kirk coming off an ACL now and then Andy Isabella and Akeem Butler. So Kyler Murray is going to have a lot to work with. I think people are going to fall in love with Isabella during this process, but without having seen the offense yet, uh, I would temper those expectations. That being said, I think Andy Isabella has the skill set to be really successful in the NFL and to be a fantasy star. Uh, I just don't know what kind of impact he'll have this year with Fitzgerald still around and two other guys uh, fighting for touches on a team that still has a long way to go. Yeah, uh, they're going to be using this air raid offense. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how it you know, it works out. We're going to be using, uh, I believe, four wide receivers, a fast-paced offense. And uh, I was just, you know, wondering, in your opinion, in terms of like, what's the chance that you think that uh, Murray might not perform up to expectations this season? 
Because, you know, I'm watching a lot of shows, listening to a lot of uh, analysts. and stinks, Joe. I was going to mention that, too. Yeah, because they didn't take one guy until the sixth round. Right. Right. Uh, And, you know, that that really hurt David Johnson last year as well. And as well as uh, Josh Rosen. So. You wonder, you know, because everyone is like talking about like Kyler Murray, like he's a slam dunk. And don't get me wrong, a lot of talent, a lot of potential there. But, uh, you know, Rosen was a decent quarterback and didn't have any, any, uh, uh, you know, enough uh, supporting cast around him. You wonder, you brought up a great point that they really didn't shore up that offensive line at all. They didn't. They signed J.R. Sweezy. They've got. You know, first-round draft pick from 2015, D.J. Humphreys. They got Marcus Gilbert from the Steelers in a trade. Justin Pugh they signed for big money last year. Now, maybe the coaching staff comes in and helps to fix this, but it could all fall apart under the weight of a poor offensive line. We've seen these offenses be productive at times but not sustainable. Uh, like in Houston and in Minnesota. Now, Deshaun Watson was pretty good, but he got beat up a lot. It didn't hurt DeAndre Hopkins at all, but he couldn't really bank on any of the running backs in Houston. Similarly, in Minnesota, Latavius Murray, Dalvin Cook didn't really matter. They couldn't really get things going consistently uh, in Minnesota uh, over the course of the season. But that also didn't hurt Adam. uh, Oh, man, I'm blanking on the name. The wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, and he just signed the extension. Why? This, Thielen. That time Adam Thielen. Gosh. Adam Thielen? I, I was trying. Yes, Adam Thielen. I was going <laughs> to say Adam Humphreys. Sorry, I was getting That's all right. confused. So Adam Thielen, it didn't really hurt mm-hmm. him at all. He had nine 100-yard games to start this season. So I think this offense could be good and not great. That's how I would phrase it. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm going to be blown away in the way that I was with Pat Mahomes uh, <clears throat> last year or even Baker Mayfield. Um, but I, I think we can see a little bit of that. You know, you had a mostly good Baker, a little bit of bad Baker. Maybe you see that from Kyler Murray. Uh, do I think Kyler Murray has a more or less successful season than Baker Mayfield had? I would say less successful. Mm-hmm. And uh, to your point, yeah, yeah. To your point with, you know, how important the offensive line is, yeah. uh, look at the difference uh, with the Rams and how uh, Jerry Goff and, and Todd Gurley really took off once uh, not only did the Rams get a new head coach, but also uh, invested in their offensive line. And, you know, it's the single biggest difference. investment that they made was signing mm-hmm. uh, Sullivan from, from, and Whitworth. <laughs> yes, Sullivan mm-hmm. at center and Whitworth. At tackle is the single biggest change to the team, and it it helped fix some major issues that they were having, um, and it's why you've seen some other teams uh, that were having those problems invest as well. The Houston and Minnesota both doing uh, teams that I had mentioned. So, so that's where we're at uh, for the draft. That was the first round. You got guys like Debo Samuel going the second round really love him the Niners turning over their entire receiving core really in these last couple of seasons you've met you got Devin Singletary in the second round I love that pick because mm-hmm. long term yeah he's the running back there yeah LaShawn McCoy will probably his last season here in Buffalo uh AJ Brown I was hoping he would fall to me in Tennessee I ended up or or, or JJ Arcega Whiteside I was ready to go with two Eagles, but I took Irv Smith, the tight end, because I think they may trade Kyle Rudolph. So we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about this and talk about some win totals for the 2019 season. It's Mike and Joe 
on FST on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. at FST talking NFL. You know, as part of this exercise going through this rookie draft, I started looking at my Dynasty League roster. I got problems, Joe. <laughs> I used to have two quarterbacks, now I only got one. Phil Rivers. Blake Bortles is now a backup. By the way, I won a title because of Blake Bortles, so I'm not criticizing him for fantasy purposes. Wow. I'll criticize <laughs> him everywhere else, but uh, he had a big year a couple of years ago. And sure. it helped me to win. So, uh, but yeah, I got Doug Baldwin set to retire. Mm. I think Ben Watson retired uh, at tight end. Um, did Greg Olson officially retire? I can't remember if he did or not. I don't think he did. Which is surprising to me. But I, I mm-hmm. guess he's giving it the old college try. So, yeah, he, he hasn't retired yet. So, Yeah. I've got problems on this roster. It's it's brutal. I got um, my tight ends were Jake Butt, Jack Doyle, Greg Olson, Ben Watson. I think all of them were hurt uh, throughout the year, and none of them got to 100 points on the year. Uh, ben Watson was the highest scoring of those tight ends, so it, it showed you where I was at at one point during the year. I lost Olson and Doyle and Butt uh, for wow. significant portions of the season, and I'm just looking at I don't know where I pick, but I – I've had a lot of success in that dynasty league. I've won it twice, but the last like three seasons, I'm just hovering right around like 500. So it's preventing me from getting any high draft picks unless I make some moves. And I think I might right. have to because I'm uh, barren at uh, running back. Mark Ingram and Chris Carson are my running backs now, but Chris Carson's going to deal with Rashad Penny, and mm-hmm. Mark Ingram is in a committee as well. Right. I was a little upset in, in uh, Dynasty League that I play in that, uh, you know, I was banking on Daryl Henderson, you know, being drafted in a spot where he has a potential to be the number one guy. Unfortunately, the Rams took him uh, and everyone's talking uh, as about him as if he's the the best handcuff in football. Well, I don't want him to be the handcuff. I want him to be the number one guy. You know, I wanted the, maybe the Bills to take him or, you know, some someplace where he had an opportunity to get real regular playing time. But uh, at the same time, you know, it makes me wonder uh, as to the state of uh, Todd Gurley in terms of, uh, you know, that the Rams traded up to get Daryl Henderson. So I'm hoping, you know, I don't want to wish anything yeah. bad to Todd Gurley, but, you know. <laughs> I was watching NFL Live uh, last night, actually, and they were breaking down the Western divisions, uh, AFC and NFC West. And the bold prediction, I think it came from Tim Hasselbeck, is that the Rams were going to miss the playoffs. Um, partial Super Bowl hangover and partial, they lost a lot. They mm-hmm. lost a lot of players. Um 
C.J. Anderson is one of them, but they also lost LaMarcus Joyner. They lost Roger Saffold at guard, so they lost two offensive linemen in total. Uh, Mark Barron is now on the Steelers, so uh, and Dominic Sue is no longer there. So right, right. There are a lot of players that they lost, and they didn't really replace uh, guys completely. You know, we're talking about like you just said, we're, we're trying to look at guys and teams and how they backed up and how they rebuilt. But uh, you know, you can't really feel great about the Rams off season they they did they spent a lot last year in order to try to get to the super bowl and it worked and it's a successful mm-hmm. season and they played like hell in the super bowl but overall a successful season and they and that was with them losing cooper cup uh which was a big weapon for them at one point during the year but they now have a rookie they now have a second year guy stepping in at center and brian allen replacing john sullivan and then they lose um right now they have just sort of a free agent that they signed to replace Roger Saffold, who got paid uh, big money to, to move on. And, you know, can't blame somebody like that. He's now on the Tennessee Titans, who, for like the fourth year in a row, I'm bullish on the Titans. Um, I, I don't think I'll be betting their over-under this year because it's been a sweat for way too long uh, for me. But they have really tried to fix that offensive line here in the last couple of seasons. And I think Mariota can just kind of stay upright. This team will take another step forward. They had a unsuccessful season last year and they went nine and seven. So I think you can Mm -hmm. see that the bar has kind of changed for the Titans. They didn't play well consistently last year, but, and I know people don't like what ifs and Scott Engel would always argue with me about this. But if the Titans make that two-point conversion in London, which they tried on the last play of the game against the Chargers, they're 10-6 and and in the playoffs. They don't even have to worry about that final game against the Colts. So the margin of error is really thin, and they played very aggressively. They played games too close last year, so they ended up losing that Chargers game. They lost to the Bills. They lost some other games, but... Something to think about for the Titans as well. But, yeah, the girly thing long-term I think is a concern, but it, it might be slightly overblown. I think they'll be fine for fantasy purposes next year. Yeah, the problem is, the, and I think we've mentioned on this show, uh, TMZ cameras caught him limping out of a, a restaurant. So, you know, who knows? But uh, yeah. uh, as far as the Titans, man, they're loaded up now, uh, you know, with receiving options, right? They got uh, A.J. Brown. They already had Corey Davis, Tajay Sharp. Uh, they signed uh, Adam Humphreys as well, and they're yep. going to be getting yep. Delaney Walker. So this is this has got to be uh, Mariota's year, right? Is this it like has the, to be. You know, it's his, do or die for yeah. him? Yeah, him it's and James Is it his both. fifth year? Yeah, will they have to make a decision on him? They've already exercised the fifth-year option. Both Jameis Winston, who okay. was the number mm-hmm. one pick, and Marcus Mariota, the number two pick. They both. This mm-hmm. is their fifth year, so it, it, time flies, right? But yes, the really Titans does. have been in a far better position than the Bucks have been. Um, granted, Mariota has had a better cast of characters, but I think he's played slightly better than Jameis as well. It's just the injury. He, he You can't avoid yeah. calling him injury prone at this point. He has been banged up quite a bit, but a really mm-hmm. nice a year ago, it was a really nice road playoff comeback win against the Chiefs and 
Uh, we'll see where they go this year. But getting back to that draft, we'll do, in fact, since this conversation continues to go, we'll probably do the win totals at the top of the next hour and then continue to talk baseball after that. But I wanted to talk about some more of these rookies that we went through. I think Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd uh, both went in – they went in this first pick of the second round was Debo Samuel. So you have to take a look at the Niners um, when it when it comes to their receiving core because they're another team that continues to turn over their options. So they now draft Debo Samuel in the second round, Jalen Hurd in the third round, he, really a running back in college but is converted to receiver. He felt like his skill set would be better in that role. And they drafted Dante Pettis in the second round last year. So Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo coming off the ACL's options will be, he obviously has Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon, both free agency signings in the last two years, not to mention Matt Breda, who was really good at times last year. Uh, mm-hmm. But the receiving options will be Marquise Goodwin. Jordan Matthews is there, but I think Jordan Matthews yeah, is, a little bit more, yeah, is a little bit more of a placeholder. Uh, I found him mm-hmm. to be oddly bashed by a lot of people. He did have some productivity in Philly a couple of years ago, but uh, I would think they're obviously looking long-term. Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel now, Jalen Hurd, Dante Pettis, and Trent Taylor was a fifth-round pick two years ago, and they've used utilized him at times. So I think they're pretty set as far as the receiving core is concerned right now. <sighs> People were very bullish on the Niners last year, and I was kind of, I wouldn't say throwing cold water on it, but I just, I thought people were buying into it a little bit too much. Now, the course of the season obviously changed immediately when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, so we didn't really get to see the full potential of what this team is, but I think this really could be the year that they step up. They've added Nick Bosa as a playmaker. What kind of impact can he make as a rookie? I just do think that when you look at their starting lineup, it's a talented team, and I think they are going to challenge in the NFC West uh, along with the Hawks, and and the Rams will be good. But Arizona's rebuilding, and the Rams are going to be really good, but I do think the Rams are going to take a step back. I, I think the Rams and Chiefs are both teams that are caught in a little bit of they're very good, but they've lost some players, and can they maintain that high level of play for the second year in a row? Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned with them both, to tell you the truth. And uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what, what the 49ers have in front of them, I, you know, I kind of agree with you in terms of uh, Matthews being uh, more of a placeholder at this uh, stage. I, I like uh, – what uh, Dante Pettis brings to the the plate, right? Same. A big play receiver. Uh, last year, uh, seventeen, a little over seventeen yards per reception. Marquise Goodwin could be a big guy as well there, you know. For and uh, don't forget that they have one of the best tight ends in, in football, George Kittle there. So uh, as long as uh, you know that uh, Garoppolo could come back uh, without uh, you know any limitations based on his. Uh, How many injuries, tight ends are better than George Kittle? Let me ask you that. Uh, Kelsey. And that's, that's it. basically uh, what, what, what uh, Philadelphia. I'm drawing a blank too. Ertz. Um, Ertz. Ertz. A top three right there, right? That's the top three. That's it. Yeah. Delaney Walker when he's healthy, but he's a year mm-hmm. older, off coming off another injury. Right. So mm-hmm. that's your top three. Those are really the only three tight ends you can have any kind of um, faith in when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, fantasy. So uh, it's just how early do you have to draft him at this point? I usually just punt on tight end. That's usually my strategy. 
I let somebody else take the high draft pick on the tight end, and I deal with the rest. I, I really do, almost every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I got Kittle in some drafts last year, but Ertz was expensive. Kelsey was expensive. I drafted Gronk one time to try to do a little zag while other people or zig, and it didn't work. So um, anyway, let's get back to the draft. I picked Irv Smith in the second round, tight end in Minnesota because there's all kinds of Kyle Rudolph trade rumors, including mm-hmm. more to the Patriots, which would be unbelievable. But I just think that Irv Smith is going to take over this job, maybe not this year, but possibly this year. And I think Cousins likes to utilize the tight end, so I thought Irv Smith was a good value there. Um, let's see the next guy that you drafted. We can't go over every player. We just don't have enough time. I do like the fact that you got Devin Singletary there in Buffalo. So you ended up with your first two picks. You, you would be a rebuilding mode type of franchise. So you got two running backs in Montgomery and Singletary. Uh, if one of them works out, it's still a home run for uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for Dynasty League uh, football. My third round pick was Terry McLaurin. So wide receiver in Washington, nice. he's going to be working with his old teammate in Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I think in the third yeah. round, I got a starting wide receiver. I think he's going to start as a rookie. If they go three wide, it's going to be Josh Doxson, Terry McLaurin, and Paul Richardson. Doesn't mean he's in on every play, but I think he mm-hmm. can start as a rookie. And I think that if Doxson is bad this year, he's not on the team anymore. So then you're starting Terry McLaurin with uh, – mm-hmm. What could be a pretty good offense with Jay Gruden uh, running the show. So uh, I like I that love one. The Ohio State connection. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I, I was That's hoping right. he'd They're be already... there for me coming back, yeah. but he wasn't. Yeah, and you ended up with yeah. Benny Snell, who I had on my um, list. Well, you missed my Drew Locke pick, right? Oh, did I? Yeah. Yes, Drew Locke. That's right. Yeah. So you're re- re- you're really rebuilding. You got the rookie QB <laughs> and the two rookie. Now, obviously, guys, we're not playing this league out, so right. it's all for fun. But Drew Locke, he's going to have a chance. To Do you start. think he's a starter by the end of the year? I think he might. Uh, look, Flacco, right? Uh, they're not going to want to. I think they're going to owe him twenty million dollars somewhere around there if he sticks on the team next year. And I know they did some decent stuff with it. Their first pick was a tight end, and Flacco loves to throw to the tight end. But you know, Locke uh, is no Locke, pun intended. No pun intended yeah. to be like yeah. a you know a, a superstar quarterback. But he's got some skills, and uh, you know. It, uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, developing wide receiver. I don't know if uh, Sanders will be there for very long. I think this might be his last year there. But uh, they I can get out of the Joe Flacco there. contract after this year. By the way, just yeah, yeah, no and it would save him twenty million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He signed through twenty twenty one, but there's no guaranteed mm-hmm. money left on the contract. So, right, um, right. I, I think it's an interesting question. I think if Joe Flacco isn't the starter. Say, Joe, so who do you think is going to start week one, Flacco or Locke? Flacco. Right. Uh, I'd say but if that Flacco I'm, I'm isn't Flacco. the starter, then things have gone really wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? This team is still yes. built to yeah. win now. Mm-hmm. It isn't a great team, but they are built to win now. They've They've revitalized with a few younger receivers there, and now – they have a tight and a rookie tight end as well to work with Locke and Flacco, but those options will work regardless of who the quarterback is. I think they've set themselves up pretty nicely there. Your Sanders mm-hmm. comment notwithstanding, so I think things have gone wrong. Will Locke 
be the starter by the end of the year? I'll say no. I think Denver can be right around a 500 team, and I don't know that's going to be enough to get Flacco benched. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Uh, I I could picture maybe uh, Locke. Let's say if they're a 500 team. I could picture maybe them them just giving Locke like they did with uh, in Kansas City with uh, Mahomes, giving him the, the week sixteen, you know, as a starter. Yeah. Uh, maybe fifteen and sixteen just to see what they have. They might uh, need but, those you know, games it, though. Right. That's right. the thing. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't think the Broncos but, are going to be that bad that they're going to be out of it. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's my thought process. I don't think they're going to be great. But if you ask me to predict the Broncos without even looking at their schedule right now, I'd say they'll be around eight and eight. I thought Vance Joseph was in over his head. I think they bring in. I think they bring in a defensive-minded coach, and they're going to play to their strengths this year, which typically a team mm-hmm. like that can be right around five hundred. Now they're in a challenging division. Obviously, the Chargers. I think people would think are probably a favorite to win that division now, and the Chiefs still very talented. The Raiders are improving, so. It could be more challenging, and I reserve the right to change my prediction right now, but I'll say Broncos could still be in the mix for that final playoff spot, and I don't think they'll be in the – I don't think they'll be in the area of making a decision to bench Joe Flacco for Drew Locke. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a tough decision. If Locke just plays his ass off in spring – in summer and pulls a Russell Wilson – then I don't think they're going to care about moving on from Flacco. Flacco's an insurance policy right, straight right. up. They didn't know who they were going to have. So Flacco's mm-hmm. just an insurance policy that they can cut at any time. Yep. And uh, But at the same time, you know, you, the goal is to make the playoffs, win as many te- uh, games as you can. But Elway's got to prove that his legacy isn't only as a great quarterback, but as a great evaluator of quarterbacks as well. So he's uh, highly great. invested in Locke. <laughs> yeah. So we'll come back. With our number three, we'll talk some NFL win totals and get back to baseball. It's Mike and Joe. We'll be right back.